0: Charlie Albone and welcome to episode one of That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. Gardening for me is all about taking your time and enjoying it. The things that are ultimately the most rewarding are those that take your time and for me that's my family and the garden. For many of us gardening is an escape form and a real art form and Australians are taking their gardens more and more seriously and having the right tools plays an important part in that journey. Today we're starting a new project, a new challenge. We're going to deep dive into the gardening landscape and uncover some of the latest developments, all for you. On today's episode, we're talking to the legendary Graham Ross. He's a mentor of mine and I'm lucky to say he's a good friend as well. I want to find out where does his love of gardening come from? How has he seen the landscape change over the years? What's his favourite tool? Everyone wants to know what Big G's favourite tool is and what's keeping the big man going in gardening. So... Let's get stuck into it. Graham, what an absolute pleasure to have you. Do you you want me to run through the list of all the amazing things you've done?
1: No, that'd be be here for three days, Charlie.
0: So, well, okay. So, you've been sharing your gardening knowledge on Australian TV for more than 40 years, correct? Yes. When it comes to an international gardening pedigree, you're basically an Academy Award winner, correct?
1: Yes. Well, maybe.
0: <laughs> uh, in 2011, you were presented with London's Royal Horticultural Society's Veitch Memorial Medal in recognition of contribution to gardening and horticulture in Australia. Correct?
1: It's not only in Australia. It's, uh, and in fact, it's on my wall over here. Oh,
0: there you go. And there you're you go. the only Australian in history to have been appointed a Life Fellow of the prestigious Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew.
1: Yes, that, that was a, a real surprise. And... Um, and a huge honour, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: And you've been doing your uh, your radio show for uh, 100 years now, is that right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, so I was there when they put the two wires together and yeah, 41 years has been, Yeah, I think yeah. the trick is keeping under the radar, I think, uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I, maybe they don't know I'm there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show and to kick it off, can you tell us how you got into gardening because you've got a long history, don't you?
1: I can remember planting sweet pea with my dad. I was about four. Gardening to me was just automatic. It was like eating and breathing. And I gardened all all my life. And eventually uh, dad showed me how to do the lawns and get the lawnmower over and get it started and change the blades. And uh, it wasn't long before he said, well, it's now yours. He went off and played bowls with my mother for the next 50 years. And I love pruning roses. I love doing the lawns, cutting the edges. Uh, he, he was a good trainer, he wasn't a good gardener, but he did train me well, I think. I used to go to my local garden centre uh, regularly and um, I called on my bike on the way home from school and all garden centres in those days had chain wire fences, so I, I put my bike up against the chain wire fence, walked in and I said, oh, Mr Stevens," I said, is there anything? He said, yeah, 11, uh, 7 o'clock Saturday morning. Uh, he knew exactly what I wanted yeah. and I was 11 and I was there for 10 years. I, I left there when I was 21. Uh, to get married.
0: (laughs) What is it you love about it? What is it? I
1: I love the plants. I love the flowers. I love the trees. Um, And in those days, before the big hardware stores, we sold Mm -hmm. spades and hoses and wheelbarrows, uh, seedlings, lots and lots of vegetable seedlings uh, and packet seeds uh, Mm -hmm. and and trees and shrubs. And every winter, the bare-rooted roses would come in and we'd heal them into trenches of sand. And then minutes later, all the flowering Fruit trees would come in. Those would go into trenches of coarse sand and we'd sell them bare rooted. I loved all of that.
0: If you were to look at sort of gardening trends as such, what's sort of on on the pulse at the moment, should we say?
1: We sold eight and a half million uh, packets of seeds in one month in March, 2020. A lot of people had failures because they were growing tomatoes because (laughs) they were on the shelves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and going into winter. We've got a lot of people we need to re-educate uh, there's not a lot of stock around this year because a lot of people got into veggies and herbs. I think on a per capita basis, vegetables and herbs are enormous. Yes. But what we did notice by the middle of the pandemic in 2020, flowers started to, people wanted a bit of colour and mm. they wanted something they could cut because they were at home in lockdown. Then they, they thought, oh, I can buy a rose. Mum used to grow roses. Oh, I can buy a rose. Now we noticed in 2021, fruit trees because people want to grow an apple or a citrus. Yes. So the trends do come and go, depending on pressures that are coming from society. And now we can buy a grafted citrus on a dwarf rootstock. Mm-hmm. And it means that if you put it into a decent-sized pot, you don't actually ever have to repot it, ever, because it's on flying dragon dwarf rootstock. Same yes. full-sized fruit, but a smaller tree. And grafted trees, Yeah, there are a lot of trends that are happening with trees Mm. that are smaller, still great flowers, fruits, smaller trees, same size fruit. But The quality of what we're growing is improving. It's like the tools. The quality of the tools we're using is better. Yes. Uh, and it's the quality of the plants that we're growing are better. If you ask my, my son or my daughter-in-law, they'd say, oh, Big G is using his favourite tool. Um, and the place is spotless. Yes. I am a bit neat, clean and tidy. I'd weed into a bucket. I don't weed onto the lawn Then pick it up. And everyone said, oh, he's blowing again. And then they, oh, gee, it looks neat. So they, they whinge for for 30 seconds. And then when it's done, they, oh, they all love it. And my battery-operated blower is brilliant. I, just, I couldn't live without it. And uh, the batteries are getting better, longer lasting. And it means that, you know, old codgers like me it, it can can keep gardening.
0: I mean, every weekend, Graham, the kids are on to me straight away. they get your blower out, Dad, because they want a nice, clean driveway. So I get the steel blower out. You know, it takes no time to charge. I can't seem to run a battery out before the next battery is charged up. So my kids and my wife are happy mm. because everything is spotless. Yeah, I, the maintenance side of my business, we swapped over to battery a long time ago and the efficiencies mm. are just mm. fantastic. They really are great. Yeah, I think people are spending so much more time in their garden at the moment. I mean, we're sort of forced to at the moment, but I think people are realizing what a sanctuary it can be and, and how healthy they want it to be. What do you get from your garden? Do you find it a sanctuary or is it something where uh, there's always it, it, a job it, to do? Or?
1: It, it's always been my life. It it. It's yeah. It's where I go to, and everyone in my family it uses the garden too. It's where we go to recreate. It's where we go to work sometimes together. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be weeding and my wife, Sandra, will be you know, putting in seedlings and fertilizer and compost and whatever. It's where you can work together. You can work alone mm-hmm. and just as rewarding with you and nature and just interacting with the soil and worms. Hello, yeah. worm, how are you today? Oh, there's a curl grub. No, Thank you very much for to the chooks. So there's this interaction with nature uh, yes. that the garden does. And then there are the, there's the, the other benefits where you put a bulb in the ground, which is just a little piece of dead wood, and you tender it and look after it. I've just been planting lilies here at our, our office garden, and they're already up. Yes. I'm just thinking, Amazing. you know, kids. Uh, ch- but it's not only children. It's all of humanity when you mm. can see something that is lifeless and dead suddenly come to life and produce beauty like tulips and daffodils and hyacinths. Uh, the first um,
0: thing I saw in gardening was a snakeskin fritillaria and that's what really you know, caught my imagination. It's an amazing thing. You're a very passionate gardener, but what sort of gardening is your favourite gardening? Is it trees? Is it shrubs? Is it vegetables? Uh, what, what is it?
1: It's like what is your favourite music? My wife yes. is classical. I love rock and roll. I was around with the Beatles. I was around before that because I loved dancing when I was young. I suppose if you said to me, sorry, mate, uh, Big G, you can only have one, I would say, oh, geez, Charlie. Uh, okay. Uh, and it would be trees. Uh, the tree house in our backyard where my mother used to live is underneath a 110-year-old American oak, Quercus palustris. It has an 80-metre canopy. It, wow. It's just the most spectacular thing. And my grandson, We're sort of training and educating him to to look at the tree, hug Mm. the trunk and identify all the different stages that it goes through from year to year to year. It also provides me with all of the mulch that I need. I used to just use it straight away until Prince Charles told me that it was a waste of time putting leaves in the compost. (laughs) So I now shred them and I'm talking about, about 400 orange garbage bags of Of leaves, Mm. but with kitchen scraps and and prunings and cut grass, and you throw in a a bit of accelerator and some blood and bone, you end up with free soil. I've got three enormous compost bins, and I do love making compost. I love making compost. There's something about Uh, making compost, isn't there? I make a lot
0: of leaf mould as well. I just, I think, you know, raising raising seeds in leaf mould, I found just got such a great success rate. When it comes to um, planning your gardening, gardening is not a reactive thing, is it? You shouldn't be just going out and just saying, oh, I'm going to do this now. You need to sort of plan to make the most of it, you know, fertilizing in autumn for your spring push and all that sort of stuff. Have you got any tips on that?
1: I remember reading a survey from the Nursery Association maybe 35 years ago and they did it, they, it shocked them, the results. It showed that 73% of plants that people buy mm. die at the back door. Wow. And that's because, you know, you go and see grandma or the auntie or you go down the beach or whatever – and you're coming home you're in the car and you oh there's a garden center let's just pop in and you buy a few plants oh look at that it's in flower beautiful oh love that red bright orange oh in the boot you get home kids are screaming and by the time uh, you get into the house you've forgotten you took the plants if you were lucky and put them at the back door yeah uh, some of them died in the boot but 73% <laughs> of plants died at loss, the back isn't door it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's wrong. We can't yeah. we can't continue like that. Gardeners can't. And the associate nursery, garden centres can't. I remember Alan Newport telling me when I was working as a journo back in the 80s, and he was going, he passed away now, dear old soul, but he was going to at California. And I remember interviewing him at the airport. And I said, Alan, what's, what's the, the big message that you, and here I am telling you 40 years later, I said, what's the big message that you mm. want to get across? Because he was such a legend. Uh, Alan, he, he brought so many high-tech things into nursery production, plant production, seedlings, and great uh, innovative cre- uh, thinker. And mm-hmm. he said, Graham, if we allow home gardeners to blame themselves forever, we're doomed. Success encourages success. People for a while will think, oh, well, that was my fault. You know, plant died, plant died. It must have been my fault. Eventually, they'll think, oh, I'll bugger this, and I'll, I'll go off and, and go caravanning or fishing. And they're the other two big... um uh, two big hobbies in Australia. We've got to give them the information so that gardeners are successful in amongst the little failures. And you think, well, that was good. That worked. Those cabbages came up well. You learn
0: a lot from your uh, mistakes as well as your successes, don't you? I find Yeah. Um, I've been keeping a gardening diary, which I hardly ever go back to, to be honest with you. But I, <laughs> I tend to write down what I've done during the day. And then if it's successful, I'll write down you know, why it was successful. And just the process of writing it down has really Help me remember to do it again year after year. And, and that's really what it comes down to.
1: A lot of people say, um, I've got a working knowledge of about, believe it or not, about 20 or 30,000 plants. Mm. And it used so you've to be got a, bit a photographic
0: hard. memory. It's insane. Yes,
1: I have. I'm very yeah. lucky. I photograph, I, and Ray Raul told me to do this, my old mentor. He said, mm-hmm. when you photograph, and the old Nikon, click, click, mm-hmm. when you photograph the plant, at the same time, you say its name, Abelia grandiflora, click you know uh, oh, okay. Zinia, and that's elegance. how you remember Click. them that's how
0: i remember them you've spoken to a lot of people on your radio show over the years yeah. uh, have you noticed sort of the gardening questions have they changed over the years are people more informed now
1: i've answered 280,000 questions i know the number because every question every person's name the suburb and the question i write down when I mentioned this in an interview somewhere. Uh, the Mitchell Library uh, contacted him and they said, can we have them? And I said, yeah, of course you can. But what has changed in 40 mm. years of 280,000 questions? In some ways, nothing's changed. We still have a new generation of people. I'm on my third generation of people where people said, my grandparents used to listen to it. So mm. that happens a lot. I'm just so privileged to have that relationship with people's families. Yes, we still get the citrus question. Yes, we still get... Uh, the grass question. Yes, we still get the rose question. All of those popular things are still popular today. What hasn't changed, Charlie, is the fraternity. And it's a global thing. You don't need English. I remember when I went to China the very first time, which was 82, I think, the streets were packed 24-7 because they were operating uh, factories all night in those days. And I remember leaving the Peace Hotel on the Bund uh, in Shanghai on the Wangpu River. And I went out and I just joined these crowds. They were just pouring along. It was 11 o'clock at night and the streets were chockers. No vehicles, no push bikes. And wow. here on the side of the road on a step was a pot with a, an iceberg rose in it. And I Amazing. still had my neck on over my <laughs> shoulder and, and I thought, oh, look at that. So I had to reef myself out of the crowd being pushed along and I edged myself back along the wall. To mm-hmm. take a photograph of this of this white iceberg rose, and as I'm bending down to rose, take a photograph take it? with my flash, the mm. door opens and this lady sprays out Chinese at me. Uh, I do know two of the words because I remembered them and I've used them once or twice in the last forty years in China <laughs> myself, <laughs> uh, yes. and I won't be repeating them here. And you know the ones I'm referring I, to. I know them. Uh, I know them well. yep. Yeah. Yeah, but within half an hour, I was inside in the, the courtyard having tea with her at half past 11 at night. Amazing. We had no English. I had no Chinese, but we were the closest of friends. And I used to go and see her every year that I went back you know, to China, and eventually, sadly, eventually she died. She'd lived through the Cultural Revolution. She had lived through all these dramas, and she was growing this rose. I think it's a great fraternity. And yes, and older people, and younger people, and children, kids at school—you know—they discover that there's three other kids in school who love plants as well,
0: mm, and they they're the ones together. at
1: the garden council. We're chasing yeah. them, get them into gardening. You, you know. started gardening
0: early on, and you mentioned, yeah. um, you know, back in the nursery, you're working in all the tools that came in and things like that. Mm. It amazes me, the progression in in how tools have, have changed. You still can't beat a good shovel, a good fork and a good set of secateurs. But I mean, the power tool industry is, is just really moved on in leaps and bounds. I'm really happy to see people using battery power. And I think that's kind of what we need to get the, the younger 100%. generation into. Yeah. yeah, 100%. We've known each other for a while, but we first really met in Chelsea 2015. You organized for Caitlin Sawyer to come along and help out on the, the flower show that I built. And she yep. was an amazing addition. And you obviously do stuff in the garden council and you're really keen on getting the younger generation involved. Where does that come from?
1: I think we are a bit of a product of what my parents were. I think mm-hmm. most of us are, not all of us, but my mother in particular. My dad had a general, my dad had hard, the biggest Texas. Mum was always helpful like that. I learned that that was an important thing to do. Being a gardener, at 15 years of age, when I arrived at college, I went to every event that was on. If there was a nursery opening or a garden centre, I went. And mm-hmm. Jack Pike, Jack would say, yeah, you know, he'd give you advice. Alan Newport, Valerie Swain, the people in Victoria and the people in Queensland. Wherever I went in Australia as a teenager, the elders of my industry were friendly, helpful, and passed on knowledge, and mm-hmm. I I learned an enormous amount from them.
0: Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. You know, the one thing that I think I've enjoyed the most is working out that gardening doesn't have a trend. Gardening is a trend in itself, you know. Gardening is gardening, and that is what's amazing about it. It's not a flash in the pan. It's something that people who do it absolutely love. And, you know, let's try and inspire more people to get into it, absolutely.
1: Trends come and go. Ideas come and go. Flowers come and go. Roses seem to be popular. Native plants are huge. Trees are back in vogue. We've got an extra two and a half million people since March 2020 that have joined the fraternity of gardeners in Australia. They need an enormous amount of our help. They don't need to buy petrol gear. They can buy battery stuff. They can buy grafted eucalypts. They can buy uh, great uh, dwarf fruit trees. The revolution is the evolution of gardening, and it's just getting better every year. It's just... I hope I live long enough to see it all happen.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. People are, are really loving gardening. They're really getting into it. And I guess if you're a newbie, it's it's getting a little bit of knowledge, which really helps. You know, there's so many people out there that will help you. You, you know, you've, you've had people that have helped you along the way. Graham, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Mate, all the very best to you, Charlie. I love you. Take you care, too. mate.
0: Thanks, mate. So now it is time for me to answer some questions from the community and Robin in Melbourne asks I'm never too sure where to start with my spring tidy up. What needs to be done and when and does it matter? Now, when you're tackling a big job like a spring tidy up you want to run at it like a bull in a china shop you just want to try and do everything but if you're systematic about it you can really make your time in the garden more effective which means you get more time at the end of the day to enjoy the fruits of your labor so i always start at the top and work down and by that i mean deal with your trees first because you're going to be causing debris coming from them then start on your larger hedges And then move to your smaller hedges that way any of the clippings move towards the ground and finish off on the ground level so finish with the lawn and then clean all your paths blow all your paths off but if you want even more tips about a spring tidy up you could read my blog on the still website which is still.com.au forward slash blog georgia from the sunshine coast asks i've recently moved to the sunshine coast from melbourne With the winters not being as cold, will my garden be growing all year round or will it get a break in winter? Do I need to plan my gardening calendar differently? Well, lucky you living on the Sunshine Coast. What a delightful climate to be working in. Gardening for you is going to be a year round process. It's going to slow down slightly in winter and in summer actually the heat might be a little bit stifling. So, you know, spring and autumn are going to be the busiest for you. But you need to keep working all year round, which for me, that sounds ideal. I mean, it's perfect. Um, With your gardening calendar, yes, you just need to take into account that your plants are going to be growing all year round. So they're going to need more fertilizing. They're going to need more watering. So just keep an eye on it and keep a gardening calendar. So so keep a, a journal of what you've done. So when you go back the year after, you can see what you did and then alter it or keep it the same. Nathan from Melbourne is asking, when and how often should I trim my hedges? And are there any times of the year that this should be avoided? So when you're pruning a plant, you need to remember when you prune it, it actually promotes more growth. So the more you prune a hedge, the denser it's going to be. Are there any times of the year that it should be avoided? Well, you don't really want to be pruning in the middle of summer. And if you do it in the middle of winter, well, it's not going to grow much more either. So I like to do it when the weather's nice and cool spring and autumn is perfect but if you've got a shaggy looking hedge it needs a prune. If you're doing it in the middle of summer you might want to put a sheet over the hedge just to protect the new growth until it hardens off just for a couple of hours or so. Matt from Sydney is asking I've been thinking of relaying my lawn. When is the best time to lay new grass? Well you can lay grass all throughout the year. If you do it in winter Just don't step on it because it's gonna take ages to establish and if you do it in the heat of summer, you're gonna have to pump a lot of water into it to keep it alive. Remembering you're just laying a small sod of earth and that's gonna dry out quickly. So again, the best time is in spring and in autumn. Next week on the podcast we have Joe Rogers from Lawn Solutions Australia and he's going to be a special guest to talk all things lawn so we can cover that off then. Do you have any gardening questions you'd like me to answer? Well send me an email at charlie at still.com.au. I'm looking forward to getting your questions. So that wraps up our first episode of the podcast and what did we learn? Well we learned that gardening is more popular than ever You know, people are interested in vegetables and flowers because it's an amazing thing to do and just bringing a bit of colour to your life just makes it so much better. We found out that gardening might not be a trend. It has things that come and go, but overall... Just being part of gardening is a great thing because it connects generations and communities together. And we found that times are changing as well. There is a movement towards battery power because it's better for the environment, it's quieter, it's more powerful, but make sure you go with a trusted, good quality brand like Still. In our next episode, I'll be joined by Joe Rogers from Lawn Solutions Australia. Maintaining an immaculate lawn can be a year-round challenge, but when mastered correctly, your neighbours are going to be sure to take notice. Joe and I are going to lift the lid on lawn care on how to best keep everything green. Need the tools to take on any gardening challenge, or perhaps you want to learn more about battery power by still? Go to still.com.au or head to your local still dealer today. Follow still on Instagram at still underscore au. That's S T I H L underscore au. And follow me on Instagram as well, charlie underscore And don't forget to check out Still's blog with plenty of great gardening advice, tips and tricks. Still.com.au forward slash blog. We have plenty more in store for you. If you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date. Thanks for listening. Until next Thursday.